All right. This morning, post-Advent Insights, the not-so-obvious gems. This one today, I think, is going to be unique because I've come across some really helpful things that I thought were deep and helpful. So I want to share with you, um, some of it's from Henry Nouwen, but still, um, there's going to be some nuggets of wisdom. Some of it may not all blend into each other, but this this is how we want to end the year. At least I think so. Um, so let's begin with this. This is from uh, a daily meditation from Henry Nouwen on December 26th. It's called Become Like a Child. And hey, it fits with Christmas, the Christ child coming. He writes, The great temptation is to use our obvious failures and disappointments in our lives to convince ourselves that we are really not worth being loved. Because what do we have to show for ourselves? But for a person of faith, the opposite is true. The many failures may open the place in us where we have nothing to brag about, but everything to be loved for. It is becoming a child again, a child who is loved simply for being, simply for smiling, simply for reaching out. This is the way to spiritual maturity, to receive love as a pure, free gift. Wow. Um, that flip an emphasis to uh, seeing not only the Christ child coming, but us focusing and becoming like children. That, that was really cool. Hope you enjoyed that. This I came across from uh, my friend um, Brian Dunning in uh, uh, BC. He sent me this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a small clip from a larger quote, but this is really cool. The birth of Christ is the Eucharistophy uh, of man's history. The resurrection is the Eucatastrophe of the uh, story of the incarnation. This story begins and ends in joy. So this is a connection to the Eucharist. And then some people think, hey, we're having a catastrophe, but we're not. It's a Eucatastrophe. Eucatastrophe. <laughs> anyway, this is really cool. This is from J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, but this is, again, another spin on who this child is. Good news of great joy to all men wasn't a survey to see if you wanted to take part. It was heaven's declaration that you were already included. Ha, that's a wake-up call. Uh, this has to do with our connection to the one we are one with. When Jesus came or when the, uh, as a baby and then the angels announced to the shepherds, it was good news for all, not just for a few. And that was, that's a really important thing to remember. All right, community, it's something we have kind of uh, lost, but maybe not, um, not completely anyway. The form of community we are not experiencing, that is for sure, because we are uh, being given advice by our scientists and medical professionals to uh, limit connections so that we don't get sick. This is not the first time it's happened. This has happened all throughout history. I remember the story of Martin Luther when he was encouraging as uh, when things were going crazy in his in his city, um, he decided to stay and create a hospital for those who were sick and told everyone else, get out of here, stay away from this, this thing that's uh, making everyone sick. So there, this is not the first time. So the idea of community, I wanted to read this to you because we may have forgotten what community is about. And I think you're going to really like this. So this, again, today may be more about listening 
and hearing. Uh, I'm going to read a lot, but I'm sorry. This this the content is so good. I don't know how else to get it out because if I email it all out, not everybody's going to read the emails. But I want you to hear this in great context. So let's let's take a look at two um, readings on community. This one's called "Community Makes God Visible." Nothing is sweet or easy about community. Community is a fellowship of people who do not hide their joys and sorrows, but make them visible to each other as a gesture of hope. In community, we say, life is full of gains and losses, joys and sorrows, ups and downs, but we do not have to live it alone. We want to drink our cup together and thus celebrate the truth that the wounds of our individual lives, which seem intolerable when lived alone, become sources of healing when we live them as part of a fellowship of mutual care. Community is a large mosaic. Every little piece seems so insignificant. One piece is bright red, the other cold blue or dull green. Another warm purple, another sharp yellow, another shining gold. Some look precious, others ordinary. Some look valuable, others worthless. Some look gaudy and others delicate. We can do little with them as individual stones, except compare them and judge their beauty and value. When, however, all these little stones are brought together in one big mosaic, <laughs> portraying the face of Christ, who would ever question the importance of any one of them? If one of them, even the least spectacular one, is missing, the face is incomplete. Together, in the one mosaic, each little stone is indispensable and makes a unique contribution to the glory of God. That's community, a fellowship of little people who together take God or make God visible in the world. Have you ever kind of balked at what community is? Have you kind of shied away from, I don't need to get together. Um, I, 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 you know, people annoy me. I, I've heard people say that. Um, do you find it just easier to be on your own? Look, there is value to that. But we are literally created for community. Every one of us. There is an important, important sense of being connected now this this uh quarantine or this COVID time um kind of accentuates that because those who are not comfortable uh being alone they're probably having a really hard time those who are used to being busy and distracted uh not having time to focus on some of the more important things in life they're 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 going through some changes too but those who are used to aloneness or used to a little more solitude or, or less people around, those who are used to that, this is a great time. They're, they're saying, ha, huh, this is wonderful. But even those need community. Even those individuals who are alone still need to have the interactions. It's really, really important for a community of individuals to, to be, to just kind of, enjoy this the uh um uh, 
not just being physically together, but knowing you have someone to reach out to. And maybe the you're the one that's the recipient uh, of somebody else who needs someone to talk to. Maybe, maybe you're the one that somebody's going to lean on for comfort or simply presence. Something to think about. Community. <laughs> In, honestly, it's, it's, we need to revisit this whole uh, community thing. All right, what's this next one? This is another one. Waiting in community. You'll love this. This is really good. Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us and take it seriously so that it can grow and become stronger in us. In this way, we can live with courage. Trusting that there is spiritual power in us when we are together that allows us to live in this world without surrendering to the powerful forces constantly seducing us towards despair. That is how we dare to say that God is a God of love, even when we see hatred all around us. That is why we can't claim that God is a God of life even when we see death and destruction and agony all around us. We say it together. We affirm it in each other. Waiting together, nurturing what has already begun, expecting its fulfillment. That is the meaning of marriage, friendship, community, and the Christian life. Huh. It's in community that we can pull each up, each other up out of moments of despair or negative thinking. Absolutely. They're, even in this COVID time, we've had different individuals that are like, oh, they're so bummed out about what's going on. They're hitting depression. And a word of encouragement from somebody, a call, an email, a video call, these things can really make the difference. This tomorrow, today, you know, and by the way, he, reading through the comments and hearing where everyone's from is encouraging to all of us watching. Here's an example. We got um, Marlene uh, watching, but nobody here really knows where she's watching from. She's watching from California. Good morning, Marlene. Hope you're both doing great. It's great to see you online. Judy is watching from, I think, uh-oh, now I forget where you're from. I, it's uh, Mississauga-ish something like that. Um, but to hear where people are watching from, we got Sorrento, BC, we got Moncton, New Brunswick, we got Pakistan, we got, you name it, Minnesota, uh, and so on. Like different people have chimed in over, over the, the last number of months, just saying hi and watching, participating. That's encouraging. It's been, I've heard folks from Hope Fellowship say, wow, we got people connect, Burlington, thank you, Judy. Uh, we have people connected from uh, and watching from all over the place. Yes, because the church is, is, is people, not a building. The, the church is this connection. Sometimes the church gathers for two or three people having a coffee. Sometimes the church gathers in groups of 10 or more, or when we're allowed to greet, meet with more people. It's a gathering of a community, learning, shifting, always changing, never the same. Oh my goodness, it's like somebody living by the water, and you see a different scene when you wake up every morning. It, it's different. So the idea of community, yeah. It's really important. Ted Johnson, uh, I've been reading a lot of his stuff online. He's uh, part of a, a Trinitarian worship group um, uh, on Facebook. And 
love his stuff. He's been he's been posting a lot of stuff on Advent uh, recently. But this next part was really cool. This is the longer reading um, that I was a little bit uncomfortable doing. But as I read it, I thought, no, I want to share this with all of you. Uh, it's like an audio book. How many of you uh, uh, enjoy audiobooks? Hands up. Oh, shoot. I can't see you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but, you know, how many like audio? I love audiobooks because I can uh, do multiple things at once when I'm listening. I, I listen to audio things in the car. So let's, I, wa I want to read this for you um, because there's an incredible bridge here, a connection from the Old Covenant, Old Testament, all the way to how it fits and dovetails into Advent. Uh, and good morning, Carol, by the way, who's watching from uh, long-term care. Uh, great seeing you this morning from Waterloo. And she's an encouragement to me, and I think she's felt encouraged by all of you as well. So there's there's more community that's going on. Love it. All right, our Heavenly Father, praying to the Abba of Advent. <laughs> In the Lord and His Prayer, N.T. Wright says, the word Father in the prayer Jesus taught his followers, or the Lord's Prayer, calls our attention to the revolutionary message and mission of Jesus that is the real Exodus message, the message of the defeat of tyrants and oppressors and evil. It is the Father's revolution that comes through the suffering and death of none other than the Messiah, who is the Father's Son. Pause there for a moment. You do remember that Christmas is about Easter, all right? This is all pointing to Easter. If we didn't have Easter, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. I promise you that. So this is, this is all one beautiful narrative coming together. Wright says, our Lord taught us this prayer because the Advent message is that the Father's revolution comes through the Messiah and his followers, that's you and me, sharing and hearing the pain of the world, that the world may be healed. Oh my goodness. We are co-participants in the healing of our Lord and our world. Oh my goodness. In John's gospel, Jesus sees the image of father and son to explain what he was himself doing. In that culture, the son is apprenticed to the father. He learns his trade by watching what the father is doing. When he runs into a problem, he checks back to see how his father tackles it. That's what Jesus is doing in Gethsemane. When everything suddenly goes dark on him, Father, is this the way? Is this really the right path? Do I really have to drink this cup? I love the honesty in this. Write comments. The letter to the Hebrews says, with considerable daring, that the son learned obedience by what he suffered. <laughs> what can we see in Gethsemane? Is the apprentice son checking back one more time to see how the father is doing it. This is a beautiful example. The daring thing about that passage in Hebrews is this. Jesus too, like us, went on learning what is actually meant to call God Father. And the learning process was only complete when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. <laughs> right calls for our attention to the end of John's gospel in which Jesus says to his followers, 
as the Father sent me, so I send you. I love that verse, by the way, John 20, 21. And then describes the tension and confusion of our living between the first advent, the incarnation, and the second advent, Jesus' return in glory. Ooh, see how deep this is getting? Quick. The apparent confusion, that overlap of the first and second advents, is actually what Christianity is all about about celebrating the decisive victory of God in Christ Jesus over Pharaoh, the Red Sea, over sin and death, looking for and working for and longing for and praying for the full implementation of the decisive victory. Whew. Every Eucharist or communion catches exactly this tension. As often as you break the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you announce the death of the Lord until he comes. Wow. We come for our daily and heavenly bread. We come for our daily and final forgiveness. We come for our daily and ultimate deliverance. We come to celebrate God's kingdom now and to pray for it soon. That is what we meant when we call God Father. Thus, when we call God Father, we are children who are learning, like apprentices, how to discover a pattern of spirituality and a way of penetrating into the mystery of daring to enter the cloud of unknowing. Oh, you probably got to reread that again. Oh, in stepping out into a terrifying world of pain and darkness, including, right, reminds us that the darkness inside our own selves, as sons and daughters called to, the, called to be, be the people through whom the pain of this world is held in the healing light of the love of God. Are you starting to see the connections here? That we are co-participating in this. We have already participated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In the midst of such pain and suffering, we pray not for the selfish pursuit of private spiritual advancement or to get in touch with our own feelings, but rather we discover the desire and necessity of praying, Father, our Father, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored, that is, May you be worshipped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, disfigurement, sin, and death. And may your name be hallowed. Oh, can we pray that in the middle of our despair? Can we pray that in the middle of our, our whining? Can we, can we pray that in the middle of our doomsday looking and only seeing the negative all around us? Look up, child. Look up. It's time to see light that is all around you and in you. Lauren Daigle has a song called Look Up, Child. Go listen to that on YouTube later. Let's keep going here. We're almost done. And as we stand in the presence of the living God, with the darkness and pain of the world on our hearts, praying that he will fulfill his ancient promises and implement the victory of Calvary and Easter for the whole cosmos, then we may discover that our own pain, our own darkness, is somehow being dealt 
with as well. It is the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world, of bringing those two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross, of living in the tension of the double advent and of calling God Father. Our task is to grow up into the Our Father, to dare to impersonate our older brother, Jesus, seeking daily bread and daily forgiveness. We do so to wear his clothes, to walk in his shoes, and to feast at his table, to weep with him in the garden, to share his sufferings, and to know his victory. Look, we've got light. And I know we just finished. There's two things that may be confusing there. One is on forgiveness. The other is on, on darkness. And some may say, well, I don't have darkness in me. Well, darkness is, is, is part of a not knowing and unawareness. I've got darkness. There are things I'm very dark in the dark about. <laughs> really? I don't know the full expanse of God's magnificent love. I don't know the full expanse of his grace in my life. I'm still learning and still things are being revealed and peeled back and layers are being torn off that uh, were hiding uh, or spectacles of light or release of light. And the more God is sharing light and life, I'm seeing more hope, hope for this world. And even that with that idea of forgiveness, of coming to uh, the way Henry Nouwen wrote, about forgiveness is this is not trying to get a forgiveness that we haven't got we have been forgiven but this is walking in the continual awareness of our own forgiveness and then giving that same forgiveness to others this is about living it out and by the way last thing on this the garden of gethsemane gives us a beautiful reminder that even jesus went back to his disciples say what guys you're still sleeping oh my god can't you stay awake for just a little bit you know have another coffee something stay awake i need you jesus himself the son of god fully god fully man desired the connection of community even with just the few this is a message for you and i for those that we know that are alone, reach out, make those calls. It's not the pastor's job to do all the connecting. Oops, says a pastor. <laughs> it's not. My job is to equip the saints. As a, if, if I'm going to be a pastor, my role as a pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of reaching out, caring, loving, being, doing. My job is to encourage but I need to find that encouragement myself, too. Or what, what do I have to give? It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to see the negative. I'm begging you. Start looking for the positive in what's going on. That doesn't mean you got to be a joy boy and plug your ears and, and, and only see, like, good, good. Oh, I don't want to hear anything negative. It's not about that. Okay? There are people that, to the extreme, do that. And that's, that's unhealthy, too. Be honest. Embrace the pain and suffering of this world. Be honest and involve yourself in the suffering of someone else. Because then we stay human. We don't live in this weird bubble. I remember a phrase growing up, you're so, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. Well, that's a, that's a phrase of really religious people. All stuck in their religious Bible verses and 
all they can do is quote Bible verses at people and think they're sharing the gospel. Sharing a Bible verse does not express the gospel. You express it by being love in three dimensions, practicing reaching out. That is the gospel, not a Bible verse. The Bible helps us see the magnificent love of God, but only in part. It's not complete. It's incomplete. <laughs> Let's take a look at a, this whole idea of Advent. Do you remember Advent was about hope, joy, peace, and love? These next number of verses are the summary of Advent. And I, I think this is a great way to end 2020 by revisiting the quick summaries. This will be quick. The, the summary of all that Advent was. And it is to help us look forward to 2021 with anticipation. Listen to this. Hebrews 11 verse 1 from the Passion Translation. This is on hope. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see what the universe was created. So, sorry. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and in the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. By the way, did you ever think of that when God spoke? wonder what sound that made. Could it have made a bang? <laughs> a big bang? <laughs> There's more that we haven't been told. Remember, the Bible's not a science book. It's a uh, photo album of a certain people group. It really is. Let's keep going. There's more hope here. Next, second verse on hope. Romans 15, 13. This is beautiful. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. I think the entire Advent is wrapped up in those verses. They're almost all there. Unbelievable. Are you radiating hope or do you radiate doom and gloom? Do you have an overflowing, uncontainable joy? I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is about happenings, usually, and circumstances. But joy is an internal state. We talked about this a couple weeks back. So, here's your Advent verse on hope. Let's take a look at joy. We, uh, even though we just heard about joy, that was really cool. But here's another reminder. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him. By this miracle sign, you'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Oh my. Folks, this is like the pinnacle of good news. 
that this good news is for everyone, everywhere, whether you believe it or not. I love that hope. Last one on joy. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience, Jesus says, will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. Or the New Living Translation says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So the joy we have, it's a gift. You can't muster it up or, or talk yourself into it. You can't meditate your way by um, saying certain phrases and, and try and get something, okay? This joy is a gift, and it's the joy of Christ. His joy is to be your joy. Christ lives in you, and he wants out. <laughs> he wants the joy he's placed in you to come out. It's not for you to keep these gifts of hope, peace, joy, love, they're not to keep. They're to give, 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 because you have so much of it to give. No, I don't. Not at all. Yes, you do. If you, for those that are having a hard time believing the hope, love, joy, and peace of Christ are in them, for those, let's be extra gracious and gentle, extra patient with those individuals who are struggling to believe this. Don't shame them into, why don't you believe this? Come on, you should know better. That, that is unhelpful. Instead, begin to be patient. Have a long-term plan to inspire. And this, is, this is a lesson for me because I have people in my life that they don't always experience joy. They tend to focus on negativity. And there are sometimes I do, but I don't stay there long. Thank goodness. But still, we can be a major encouragement to one another peace. John 14, 27 to 30 says this. I'm only going to read this part. I leave the gift of peace. There it is again. It's a gift. You see, you can't muster this stuff up. <laughs> yeah, Judy's right. Joy is the fruit of knowing you are loved by Father, Son, and Spirit. The, un, uh, the unearthly assurance of Father's love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I like that. Good morning, Lisa. I leave you the gift of peace with you. My peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Oh, man, there's a whole sermon right there. Why don't you print that off or come back and rewind that and, or look up John 14, 27 to 30 and, and just meditate on that every day this coming week. Oh, my. That'll blow your mind. That'll, that'll help condition your thinking. And John 16, says, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. Folks, don't be all shocked that why are we going through something terrible? Did we do something wrong? No, we didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's not like when there's a snowstorm, all the Christian homes are free from the snow and all the non-believers get pummeled. That's not how it works. <laughs> That'd be weird. We have some really weird ideas of who we think God is when we think like that. 
You know, oh, the Lord protected me from this. Well, what about the other people that weren't protected? So what, is the Lord against them? Be careful. we got some theology um, to think through here. So look at this verse. Live from the peace. Live from the confidence of the peace of Christ in you. This is what we're called to. Love, last one. <laughs> love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. On and on. Love is patient. Love is kind. You remember that one. And then in verse 8 it says, Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Love wins. And 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. When we are conditioned to have a first reaction of love, we tend to stop seeing sins. Did, did you catch that? When we become loving, we stop seeing sins. Well, wonder what that means. I think if you're religious, really religious, you, it's very easy to become sin conscious. We have not been called to be sin conscious, but Christ conscious and light conscious. Not only seeing the light in us, but seeing the light in others. When we're seeing the light in others, we're not looking for flaws. <laughs> we're loving. I like the New Living Translation says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That's right. Washes it away. A Christmas prayer. I have a short video a clip uh, to wrap up our service, but I want to read this prayer from Brian Zond. I, I only discovered it recently, and it, it's a kind of a pre-Advent or Advent prayer. But I thought, what a great way to end the year with this kind of a prayer. And then we're going to wrap things up with a, a closing video. And that's how we'll end our time today. Don't forget to come back into uh, the Zoom call. Uh, sent the link out to everybody. If you're watching online and want to join us for our Zoom call, uh, send me a private message on Facebook and Facebook Messenger immediately. And I'll send you the link as uh, soon as I log in and get things rolling. Because within about five minutes, we're going to be having a family, church family Zoom chat. Just it won't, it won't be long, but it's sure fun. So we'd love to have you join us for that. A Christmas prayer. Almighty God, it's been a difficult year in which our lives have been disrupted and death has stalked our land. Nevertheless, in this season of Christmas, we find cause for hope. Because as the carol says, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. We thank you that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And that this light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. So we rejoice in the feast that celebrates the birth of Christ our King, even as we look forward to a world without a specter of a pandemic. We ask for your grace to be upon health workers and all the rest who are helping our world to recover. But as we look back over the past year, we know that we've also, we also have much for which to be grateful. We thank you for every grace, 
every mercy, every moment of joy and happiness. We thank you for friends and family who have borne our burdens with us. And so, as we prepare for Christmas, <laughs> may we find comfort in the song of the angels. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Thank you for joining us today. There's a voice that calls life from unexpected places. Barren lands will flourish with new creation. There's one who is searching for the pure in heart, waiting to find those who will trust. So what choice will you make? Because it may feel like choosing between life and death. Take her as your wife. But look closer. All he has ever offered us is life. Messiah. You see, God has come to the most unlikely people, urging them to follow, asking them to trust. The stories have been told for centuries. The wait is nearly over. Today, our Savior is born to bring light into dark places, to be the voice in the wilderness, to call you to come home, to bring joy to the world. God has chosen you and he does not make mistakes. God's timing is not our timing. His love is not our love. He's turned his love into flesh and blood and for that, we rejoice, Emmanuel. So don't wait, don't pack, don't plan, just go. There is a world lost and hungry. There is a world lonely and wandering. And he has called us to go and tell them. Go and tell them what God is doing. Go and tell them that God is coming. Go and tell them. God is here.